with Siata Dishmaya, let's continue. And uh, we're actually bringing down here the words of the Ramhal. Uh, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato, Rabbi Shalom. And this work is one of his masterpieces. And it does well for us to fully understand this work and how it's formatted and how we're going to be learning it in these lessons so we could understand the background and then from there extract what we need to extract for our purposes in this world. And so I want to just continue here and I want to talk about the subject of Das Tebunos, which is one of the most fundamental works of Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato. We know him as a Rampal. Its principal aim is to strengthen our faith in God. It achieves this by explaining with great clarity the precise system through which God directs every aspect of existence. And this knowledge removes any confusion or doubt from our minds and enables us to serve God with full enthusiasm and commitment. And we're going to explain this now more fully. So as we know from the Torah and the Jewish tradition, there's only one God, only one. Baruch Hashem created everything and continues to give it existence. He is totally good and does only good. And he alone controls and directs everything that happens in the world with perfect justice. Nothing, nothing can oppose his will. Yet, when we look around us or at the events of history, it seems to we seem to see like the opposite of God's guiding hand. We see a world that's often full of injustice and suffering, disease, war, ignorance, oppression, righteous people suffering for no apparent reason, while the wicked prosper. And how can there be so much evil and affliction in the world when God is totally good? Da'asa Tebunos tells us that we are obliged to clarify these issues. We can't afford to live with this seeming contradiction between what we experience and what we believe. Otherwise, we risk living in a reality of fragile faith based, based on the naive expectation that everything will always go well for us. A faith that's prone to shatter when we're confronted with pain and challenge. And so by learning the in-depth, in-depth how God runs the world and how evil and suffering are a necessary part of the divine plan, these issues are resolved. We understand why the world has to be this way and we clearly see the purpose of our existence in this world and we see the importance of our lives and are inspired to serve god with great enthusiasm so challenges become opportunities for self-development and nothing can weaken our resolve and so furthermore the torah itself explicitly commands us to pursue this knowledge and to feel it in our hearts with our entire being. And the Ram Hamas himself explains, we are obliged to acquire knowledge of God's way, since that is what God has commanded us. As the verse states, you shall know today and feel in your heart that God is the only power in the heavens above and on the earth below. There is nothing besides him. We see that we're obliged to know this and not just believe it as a matter of faith. And this knowledge should be in such a way that is understandable to us and it enters our hearts. And what, what is it that we're required to know? 
the truth of his absolute oneness that God is the only power in the heavens above and on the earth below because there's nothing besides him and this means that we need to know that one God oversees and directs everything both in the higher worlds and the lower worlds so even if we're not commanded we would still need to acquire this wisdom in order for our minds to be settled and our path in life to be clear. This way, we can save ourselves from the clutches of the evil inclination and the destructive confusion that causes within us. The picture that the evil inclination continuously presents to us is as if a world of confusion like there is without any order, governed by pure chance, as if there's no justice and no judge. And we see those who live by the Torah humiliated and scorned, while the nations of the world live in tranquility. We see the Jewish nation oppressed and cast down through the length of their exile. It's true that this is a test of our faith, but if there are ways or a type of wisdom that would explain to us all these matters sufficiently, clarifying everything properly and showing clearly how all this is from God for our good, would not the benefit be great? Will we not chase after it with every means at our disposal? So Ta'asa Tebunot was written over 250 years ago. But in many ways it seems to have been written for our generation. To help us meet the challenges of this modern world. Faced with a sophisticated secular worldview that denies the basic principles of our faith. We need the deep knowledge contained in this work to show us the eternal truth of the Torah. And through it, we're going to understand how God created everything and continuously maintains its existence and how he runs every single detail of this world of good and evil, guiding it inevitably towards perfection. We're going to understand his special relationship with the Jewish people and how he will redeem us and return his presence to rest amongst us. It may it soon be in our days, Bezat Hashem. And so the knowledge contained in this work consists principally of an explanation of the Kabbalistic tradition that has been passed down from generation to generation from the revelation of Mount Sinai. However, the Ram Hal chose intentionally not to make use of any specifically Kabbalistic terminology and concepts. Rather, he explains everything using familiar language and ideas. And the main Kabbalistic writings, such as the Zohar Kadosh, contain detailed descriptions of the higher spiritual worlds, and these higher spiritual worlds are what the prophets saw in their visions when God's glory was revealed to them. And the Ramhal writes the entire vision of the divine glory that the prophets saw in their prophetic consciousness is the content of the Kabbalistic universes. That which the prophets described only briefly is explained at length by the sages. The prophet to whom God shows an image of the higher worlds will see that all is mentioned in the Zohar and its commentaries and other similar works. So as well as seeing these prophetic visions, the prophets simultaneously received their true interpretation. And the Ramhal here explains, it is totally clear to them, the prophets, that God's glory is appearing to them and speaking with them, that he is the one causing these prophetic visions to appear in their consciousness. They also gain an absolute understanding of the meaning of the vision and the riddle of what God wants to reveal to them. The Rambam describes this process in the seventh chapter of Yesodea Torah, and there he states that things communicated to the prophet during his prophetic visions are allegorical in nature. Immediately he receives the clear interpretation of the allegory and knows its meaning. 
So it emerges that the visions of the higher worlds that the prophets saw, which are described in the Kabbalistic tradition, are allegorical in nature. Without understanding their true interpretation, one is missing the main point. Ramhal writes, to know only the names of the supernal lights, sweetot, and all their details without knowing what they mean, is not knowledge at all. What's the benefit of knowing that there's a certain number of supernal lights above? If we don't even know what this means in terms of God's guidance of everything that exists in this world. And so the Asa Tebunos contains a true interpretation of these allegorical images in terms of the way God guides every detail of the world. And the Ramhal writes that although the great Kabbalist Rabbi Yitzhak Luria, who lived 200 years earlier, knew very well the true interpretation of the prophetic images that he described. He was not given permission to reveal it. However, he, the Ramchal, was instructed from heaven to reveal their true meaning since this was now necessary for the world. says, you should know that the truth is that I have not attained the level of the understanding of the Yarizal, Rabbi Yitzhak Luria, since all these things were familiar to him. But he was not given permission to write them, whereas I have been commanded to write. This is not because of my individual merit, but because of the merit of the many through God's love for the Jewish people. He chooses the person whom he considers suitable according to the particular generation and particular place. And the Vilna Gaon, who lived in the next generation, confirmed that the Ramchal knew the true interpretation of the words of the Arizal and that he too had been granted this knowledge. So in conclusion, the wondrous nature of this work is that it contains the true interpretation of the allegorical visions of the higher worlds that the prophet saw in which the Kabbalistic tradition describes. Furthermore, all this is explained by using familiar concepts and terms that anyone, anyone can understand rather than the specialized terminology and concept of the Kabbalistic tradition. And so the life of the Ramchal, let's open this up so we can understand that the Ramchal was born in Padua a town that's not far from Venice in, 19, in 1707. So he was recognized as a genius at a very young age, managing to master the entire Talmud, Madrash, Tanakh, and major works of Kabbalah by the age of 14. At the age of 17, he published his first work, Leshon Limudim, a detailed guide of how to write and express one's ideas clearly in the Hebrew language. It already shows the Ramhau's concern for structure and order of thought, as well as his mastery of the Hebrew language. So in this period, he also authored striking poetical works in Hebrew through which to communicate the ethical truth of the Torah. He gathered around him a group of students who toiled in the revealed and hidden Torah both day and night and who took upon himself to live a life of the utmost purity. At the age of 20, a significant event took place in the life of the Ramhal. He himself describes here, on the first of the month of Sivan, in the year 5487, which is Gregorian 1727, while I was concentrating a unification of God's name, I fell into a slumber, and when I awoke, I heard a voice saying, I have come down to reveal hidden secrets of the Holy King. I could hardly stand up from trembling, but after that, I managed to strengthen myself. The voice didn't cease, but told me the secret of what it was saying. On the second day, the voice returned and told me another secret. Until a few days later, it revealed to me that it was a Magid. 
a heavenly messenger sent from Shemayim, from heaven. I do not see it, but I hear its voice. And after that, it also gave me permission to ask questions. And after that, three months later, it gave me certain instructions to follow in order that I could merit that Eliyahu the prophet would appear to me. And after that, it commanded me to write a commentary on Kohelet. And it explained to me the secret meaning of each of the verses. And after that, Eliyahu came to me and told me certain things, secret things, and informed me that now the great angel, Metat, would come. So over the next two and a half years, Ramha wrote many important Kabbalistic works which were dictated to him by these spiritual beings. The first was the one mentioned above, a Kabbalistic commentary, of some 800 pages in the book of Kohelet. And the second was a major work which he called, was told, he was told to call Zohar Tinyana, which is the second Zohar. And it was written in the style of the original Zohar, but with particular emphasis on the redemption of the Jewish people at the end of their long exile. And the following is an excerpt from the introduction in the name of the prophet Eliyahu. It says that the first Zohar was the beginning and this, the second Zohar, is the completion. From this source of great light came the first Zohar of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. This Zohar did not complete the revelation of this light. What came out came out, and through it the world was illuminated up until now. Now the illumination of the light of the Zohar is to be completed. And through this light comes the second Zohar. And through the second Zohar this light will finish becoming attached to Israel. Through this great rectifications have been put in place. And when the necessary rectifications are completed, Israel will be completely redeemed. And apart from a very few small extracts, neither of these works is in our possession today for reasons that we're going to explain now. The Ramchal composed other smaller works as well during this period, a few of which survived. Nearly all of the Ramchal's writing from this period are not written in Hebrew, but in Aramaic, in the cryptic style of the Zohar. And during this period, two and a half years, though only the Ramhaus' closest students knew about the Magid and other spiritual beings that spoke with him, he and his students continued with their life of intense spirituality away from the public eye. However, at the end of this period, another major turning point came in the life of the Ramhal, which would cause him great difficulties and distress. In the summer of the year 1729, which is the 24th of Av, 5489, one of his closest students wrote a detailed letter in which he described the greatness of the Ramchal and how spiritual beings appeared to him and revealed to him awesome secrets. Unfortunately, this letter fell into the hands of Rabbi Moshe Hagis from Altona. The Jewish world in Europe was still reeling from the shock of the terrible episode of this Shabzai Zvi, the false messianic figure who had distorted Kabbalistic teachings and managed to convince thousands of people of his claims. And even after he became totally discredited, some secretly continued to follow his teachings. And Rabbi Hagiz was one of those who waged a battle against such heretics. And unaware of the greatness and holiness of the Ramchal, he could not believe that a 22-year-old unmarried man living outside the Holy Land could possibly merit having such awesome revelations. He wrote to the rabbis of Venice that they should investigate the matter and uproot this evil group from its roots. And the leading rabbis who were charged with investigating the matter declared that the Ramchal was indeed a man of great holiness and that his claims were true. 
Nevertheless, the furious controversy arose. The Ramham himself described these events. He said, from the time that these matters came to the attention of the sage, Rabbi Hagis, he threw the whole world into turmoil on that day. That which had been hidden among a small group of companions has now been publicized in all of Venice and after that in all of Padua. Yet here in Padua it had a positive effect because immediately the whole congregation transformed their ways and repented. They came every day to hear the words of Torah that I teach them according to what they were able to understand. So now at the beginning of the year 1730, officials were sent to investigate every aspect of the Ramhau's activity in Padua. And although he cooperated completely with all of these investigations and tried in every possible way to quiet the dispute, it was of no avail. And this situation of conflict continued until that summer when he agreed for the sake of restoring harmony to take an oath in front of a base then that he would no longer write works dictated to him by spiritual beings. And he also agreed that all the works of this form that he had already written would be locked away and that neither he nor anyone else would be able to access them. Later in 1736, these writings were handed over to his opponents and buried. And as a result of this, the controversy died down to some extent. But the next year, in 1731, the Ramchal married Zipporah, the daughter of the rabbi of Mantua, and continued his teaching of Torah and composing of Torah works, although now of a different style. So for the next five years, Ramchal principally wrote works explaining in his own words the Kabbalistic system taught in the Zohar and the writings of the Arizal. The most complete work we have of this type is the Klak Pizchei Chokmah, which is the 138 gates of wisdom. But other shorter works are also in our possession. And these works are astonishing in their ability to systemize the vast body of capitalistic teachings into a precise and graspable system. They contain not only an exact outline of the various capitalistic universes, but also their inner meaning in terms of the way God directs the world. And this, these works are more accessible and easier to understand than the earlier works dictated by the Magid, since the ideas are translated into logical terms understandable to the human mind. It seemed that it was part of God's divine plan that the Ramchal should be forced to stop writing directly revealed works and to use his own mind to synthesize what he had learned from the Magid into graspable system. In this sense, although we've, we've nearly lost all the writings that were transmitted directly to the Ramchal, we still have their inner content. So the present work, Das Tebunots, belongs to this period of the Ramchal's life, which completed was completed in 1734, the year 5494. It, however, represents a slight departure from the style of the other works of this period in that the Ramchal does not use any of the technical terminology of the Kabbalah, such as Sfirot, Patsufim, Simsum. Rather, the most profound ideas are translated into non-technical language in order that they can be understood even by someone who has no previous knowledge in this field. And nevertheless, the entire work follows precisely the order of development of the various Kabbalistic universes. But unfortunately, the Ramchal's opponents didn't seize their accusations against him, and they falsely accused him of not keeping to the oath he made. So in 1735, while visiting the city of Hamburg, a trap was prepared for him. Without warning, he was unexpectedly faced with a base din and forced to sign a document that severely restricted the scope of his activities. 
And the main restrictions of this document, worded in the form of an oath, were, number one, not to teach any form of Kabbalah to anyone. Number two, not to show any of his Kabbalistic writings to anyone. And number three, not to write any more Kabbalistic writings of any sort. So although the Ram Hal held that this document had no validity in Jewish law, he faithfully kept it to its terms for the rest of his life. And he wrote in a letter to his Rav, Rav Yeshaya Basan, as follows. He said, I have already mentioned that I have voluntarily chosen not to say a word of the hidden wisdom to any person in the world. And this is not a result of the episode in Frankfurt, Frankfurt, but because evil has grown strong due to our many sins and the world has become dissolute and void. However, God forbid that I should forsake my own learning of this wisdom for even one moment. And this would be like separating myself from life itself. So in 1735, as a result of all this opposition, the Ram Hall moved to Amsterdam. He was then 28 years old. And there he was greeted with the greatest of honor by the rabbis of the town and many flocked to him to learn from him. However, he steadfastly refused to teach anyone the hidden wisdom. He taught them only revealed matters. And once again, we can see with hindsight how the, mystery, the mysterious ways of the divine providence worked to the benefit of the Jewish people. Since Taram Hal was now constrained a second time to change the style of his written works, omitting the slightest reference to anything Kabbalistic, his works remained based on the Kabbalistic system, but heavily veiled in a more simple and direct style. And it is to this period that we owe the most famous of the Ramhal's writings to date, Mesidat Lishayim, the past of the just, and Derek Hashem, the ways of God. And through these works, the Ramhal transformed the Jewish people's approach to serving God and gave them a clear understanding of the fundamental principles of the true Jewish worldview. He also authored other works in which he outlined a precise methodology for learning the Talmud, which is Derek Tevunos, explained the structure of the Hebrew language, Sefer Hadiduk, and suggested a program for mastering the entire body of Jewish learning, Derek Chokmah. The Ramhal in his greatness accepted all his persecutions as a will of God and was ready, already able to see them as part of God's ultimate plan. And at the height of the opposition in 1735, he wrote to his Rav this, The water in the barrel was clear, and they have made it dark and cloudy. And this is also for the best, as it's God's will. I praise God for what has happened. He is guiding everything through his deep plan. His reprimand is loving kindness. He is righteous and just. And these years in Amsterdam were tranquil for the Ramchal, but in 1743, at the age of 36, he moved together with his family to Eretz Israel. He settled in the town of Akko, but in 1746, still only his 40th year, he was struck down by a plague and he died. He was buried next to Rabbi Akiva on a hilltop overlooking the city of Tiberia. And there, there are those who say that the Ram House 40 years came to rectify the first 40 years of Rabbi Akiva's life during which he didn't learn Torah. And we've seen how the restrictions placed on the Ramhal by his opponents actually worked to the advantage of the Jewish people by requiring him to simplify the content of his writings until they became more accessible to the average Jewish person. Nevertheless, it's clear that during his own lifetime, the world was not yet ready to perceive his true greatness. And this was stored away for later generations. In fact, we can say that his influence is ever increasing in our, 
our generation, when more and more people have become aware of his singular greatness and perhaps the knowledge that was revealed to him all that time ago was ultimately meant for our generation that's living through the travails of these pre-Messianic era. May his merit be a protection for all of us and may his guide guide us, wisdom guide us towards the coming of, of, of Mashiach, of the Geula. So now let's talk about the formation of, 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 of the Sefer that we're learning from. So the Ta'ar Satebunos, which is, which is knowing God's plan, uh, it's written in the form of a dialogue between a rabbi and a student. In the original work, different names are used. Okay, So at the beginning of the dialogue, the student declares that he believes in all the fundamental principles of Judaism, but that some of these principles he's unable to understand and he's confused by them. So the main issue that disturbs him is the seeming injustice of so much that happens in the world. And furthermore, he cannot see. He can't see how God is guiding everything towards his ultimate perfection. So he states here, the major events of the world are so contradictory and always seem to indicate the opposite of God's guiding hand. It's even more difficult to see where these events are leading. What does God want from us? Where is he taking us? What will happen at the end of it all? And God's actions are so vast in scope that it's impossible for our normal thought processes to grasp them. So please teach me the right way to understand the true and precise meaning of all these things. And so the student knows that it's vital for him to clarify these matters in order to strengthen his faith and serve God properly. And furthermore, the Torah itself commands every Jewish person to acquire this knowledge. And during the course of this extended dialogue with the rabbi, he's provided step by step with everything he needs to know in order to resolve his questions. And at the end, the student declares... I'm certainly extremely happy with all that I have gained. I have received great and profound knowledge from you. I now feel settled with perfect and unshakable faith in all those matters that every member of the Jewish faith is obliged to believe in with full confidence. So the journey of the student from confusion to clarity, from the desire for knowledge to the attainment of that knowledge is also our journey and it's going to be our journey through this safer and through these lessons, we're going to accompany step by step along the road to wisdom, gradually learning more and more profound ideas until in the end we see that everything comes from God and forms a part of a deep plan. Nothing, nothing big or small is by chance. Nothing is without purpose. Everything forms part of one integrated reality that is constantly moving towards the ultimate perfection of every existing thing. But before we begin our own journey through this, this, this safer and these lessons, we would, we would do well to take heart the words of the advice that the rabbi gives to the student at the beginning of this journey. And this is, however you must realize that we are about to enter into a vast sea of ideas. And we will need to master many complex concepts before we can complete our task. You will need great patience until you are able to understand everything correctly. To acquire wisdom, one needs to build up concepts one after the other until in the end they all form part 
of one unified whole. All the initial explanations are only in order to attain this final understanding. And this, this, my lovely ladies, is the nature of this work. And in each section follows on from the previous section, building on what has been previously discussed. The process of development continues throughout this entire Sefer. And furthermore, the rabbi will sometimes interrupt the main topic under discussion in order to give background concepts necessary for a correct understanding of what's going to be explained. And he's then going to return to the main point of discussion some later time. And as a result of all this, we, the students here, are going to be it's liable, we could, to lose track of where we're holding in the general development of ideas within this safer, especially if a few days have passed since the last learning session, since the key to mastering the material in this work is always to be aware of how the material presently being learned connects with what went before and how it fits into the overall structure of this safer of these lessons this has this will prove us our students with certain additional aids in order to help us achieve this aim so first of all the safer and these lessons have been divided into 10 general chapters each with a specific theme because the original work didn't have divisions there were there were no divisions and these chapters have been subdivided into certain number of parts and at the end of each chapter summaries have been added outlining the content of each part of that chapter and there's also a shorter summary of the of the whole safer which is placed here as well and so and we're going to bring that up at the beginning of every lesson we're going to give a short summary before we start each lesson and so the, there's also detailed notes which explains each new topic that follows from the previous one previous lesson to clarify the difficult concepts often making use of other works of the Ramhal that discusses the same issue. And they also point out when the main discussion is being interrupted to explain background concepts and we when we are returning to the main discussion. So as students, we can have different approaches to these lessons. And so we, we can ask we can we all and others can prefer to proceed more slowly we can review each section carefully before going on and 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 the one who delves into this profound work the more you concentrate and you focus listen to me carefully and i mean that not to have this these lessons as background music while you're doing other things i mean that these lessons will be given and we're going to give it once a week once a week because we need time to ponder and to listen to each lesson over and over again these are very very deep but very simple for us to understand but very deep in its nature and so there are so many gems of wisdom to be found within each lesson that even one of us who just dips in and out of its less structured way will also feel a lot of inspiration so we're gonna we're gonna give these lessons once a week on sundays and every Sunday you will have a lesson, but it requires that you pay attention to each lesson and ponder on what's being said, because the next lesson will be, in, in, it's like a continuation. And sometimes we're going to go back to the previous lessons. So you can't lose, you can't jump lessons and, and, and think that you're ahead. No, because then you'll be lost. And so in the original work, 
The dialogue was not between a rabbi and student, but between the sechel and the neshama, just so you understand. So the, the, the usual translation for sechel is intellect, and for neshama is soul. However, to use these translations here would have been highly misleading. And so when the Ramchal uses the term sechel, he refers to the most elevated aspect of human consciousness, which contains the knowledge of prophetic revelation. So indeed, the knowledge the sechel imparts to the neshama is that which was revealed to the prophets of Israel. The neshama represents that part of the human being that desperately yearns to gain true knowledge and to be filled with wisdom. But it's only a receiver of wisdom. It's the sechel that imparts wisdom. And in English, you know, however, the implication of these terms are normally translated is totally different. So the term soul suggests a higher faculty than that of the intellect. And neither them, neither term imparts the association of giver and receiver. So if we have adopted these terms, then we would have been, you know, assumed that the soul represented deeper intuitive thought and the intellect a more limited rational understanding, which would have completely distorted the true intention of the Ramchal. So furthermore, the nature of a dialogue between these abstract entities is extreme, extremely difficult for the modern student to be able to grasp. So because of these considerations, Okay, the format there we the, the, it was liberated to use the format of rabbi and student, which represents more clearly the true relationship of the participants in the dialogue. The rabbi being the imparter of true knowledge to the student who seeks to know the truth, and this is an acceptable rendition of the term sechel and neshama. Do we think that this is acceptable? When we ex we examine the various different manuscripts that date back to the time of the Ramham himself, we found that many of them do actually have the dialogue in a rabbi-student format. And this is an important manuscript, which has a dialogue between the sage, Mar Kadisha, and the youth, Mar Yanuka. And it begins with the youth greeting the sage with the words, Shalom Alecha Rebbe. So the rest of this, all the safers, almost identical to the version of Daha Sebunos that we have today. There's an, another very important manuscript in the Bodleian Library at Oxford University, and it's the handwriting of Rav Yehuskiel Gordon, one of the principal students of the Ramchal, who copied down many of the works of the Ramchal that we have today. And so there too the dialogue is between the sage and the youth. And it's very significant that one of the closest students of the Ramchal wrote down almost an identical version of the Hasa Tebunos to the one to the one that we have, but with the rabbi student format. And it seems that these two versions of the Hasa Tebunos existed, one in the Sechel, Neshama format, and one in the rabbi student format. So finally, here there is another early manuscript in Harvard University that begins with the title. Dialogue between the Sechel and the Shama, like a student who asks questions to his rabbi, and who then answers him. And from this last source, we see that the true nature of the dialogue between the Sechel and the Shama is that of the student asking questions to his rabbi. Wow, so it seems that this title, Atas Temunas, was not given by the Ramchal himself, but by the Rabba Padua, Rabba Mordechai Shmuel Girondi. When he had a copy made of the original manuscript in 1818, many decades after the author's death. And from this copy, the work was published for the first time in 1889 and bore the current title. 
And so the work was probably originally known as a dialogue, or a dialogue between the Sechel and the Neshama. And the literal translation of Da'asa Tebunos is knowledge of understandings, which is not very meaningful in English. So therefore, they decided to keep the Hebrew title Da'asa Tebunos with the English subtitle of Knowing God's Plan, which is an appropriate description of the context of the Sefer. So Bezat Hashem, we're going to start to learn. Bezat Hashem, now that you have a little bit of background, it's very important that you understand the background of this wisdom. Because again, even though the Ramchal with Hashem's, of course, Hashem has a plan and this, all, everything he went through, everything that the Raham w- w- went through, all the suffering, all that, all that, that, uh, that type of torture where he wasn't able to give out and give to others was actually God's ways of telling him, you know, let's take it a step down. Let's simplify it. Let's simplify this because my children and the end of times in our generation in which we are today, are going to need to understand this. And I want them to understand this in a simple way. And I want you to use words that they can cop, that they can understand, that they can grasp. And that's, my lovely students, is what we're going to be learning here today. And for the first time ever, first time ever, his work was translated into English. And this, in the merit that you have, because you have a merit, that Hashem gave you and Hashem allowed you with to connect with this wisdom that you are going to be learning this with all of us on this journey, on this, on this path of knowing, really knowing God's plan will be in your life and your life will never be the same. So it's important that you understand these concepts with clarity and to do that, you have to focus all of your attention on these lessons and it cannot be that you'll play these voice notes or these recorded messages as background music to something that you're doing in, in, in the forefront. In other words, you're not going to be working and listening to this. You're not going to be cleaning and listening to this. You need to sit and really owe yourself and give to Hashem the time that he gave you so that you can show Hashem that you have an interest in knowing him. And which means that you're going to sit on a couch in a quiet place under a tree somewhere and you're going to dedicate all of your awaking consciousness to this lesson to these teachings until you get it and it may require that you're going to listen it again and again and again and that's why we're doing this only once a week and with the brachot the that we received by Hagayon rabbi yaakov hillel who, who guides who guides us you know guides me and and all of these teachings that we give out the Bezat Hashem that will be able to connect to what it is to truly know our God. And if anyone wants more teachings of what it is to have Emunah Bitahon or what it is to be, have, be in a meeting with the King of Kings, I welcome you to come and join our page, trusthashem.org, and bring down to your, to your little uh, uh, recorder, so download these lessons and start from the beginning. Don't go from the end. Start from lesson one of each one and start to know the area that most interests you. And so at the end of days, don't forget that the prophets always said that at the end of these times, Hashem is going to replace the heart of stone with the hearts of flesh. And what Hashem is looking for us right now is to give him his heart, our heart to him. Give our heart, which means he wants our realness. He wants our heart to be a knowing heart, to be a heart that's truly connected and truly close to the creator, truly in the vacas to the creator, because 
my lovely students, at the end of time, at the end of it all, the only reason why we are here in this world, the only reason that Hashem created us to begin with, is to be close to Him. That's it. And so with Basiata Dishmaya and with Basiata Hashem, we're going to continue with these lessons. And now you have an introduction of what you're going to be learning. And Basiata Hashem, with Hashem's help, we're going to have this knowledge in your heart. Basiata Hashem. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen. Ve